Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. It's the monster from the swamps, Regis Ruguru Program. Hey, what's up? This is King Carlos Molina, former IBF world champ. This is Michael, the bounty hunter, 2012 Olympian and your people's champ. This is Charlie Edwards, flyweight champion of the world. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 252 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined as ever, it seems, he's been with me various weeks during this pandemic. He is, of course, the former heavyweight world title challenger. He almost did it, Mr. Eddie Chambers. Eddie, how are you? Good, my man. How are you? Always good when speaking to you, Eddie. You know this. Um, so, yeah, same as we have been doing it, obviously going to dive uh, straight into the review part. I'm going to fly through that as quick as possible. Then I'm going to move on to the preview part. Uh, there's there's a couple bits of news to mention. Then, of course, um, we shall get into the Eddie uh, Eddie Chambers lockdown knockdown. I think edition five or six, five or six, and then um, we'll bring in our sole guest on this week's show, which will be the former unified. Um, world champion Mr. Daniel Roman, who's back in a big fight late September. Um, anyway, diving into the review part, we're going to start here with a card that took place last Friday, August 7th, at the Matchroom Fight Camp in Brentwood, Essex. Um, United Kingdom, obviously, Eddie Hearn's back garden once again. Um, brilliant fight between Chris Billum Smith, who's now 11 and 1, and Nathan Forley, who was previously 14 and 0. He lost his O, of course, Forley. He was TKO'd in two rounds there for the Commonwealth Cruiserweight title. Forley was down late in the first round and then twice in the second round. Brilliant little shootout fight, if you like, actually. Very fun fight to watch. Chris Billum Smith, a guy who, you know, has got that one loss to Richard Riakpo, very controversial, very close one. And uh, I think there was a knockdown that shouldn't have been called that you know played a part in a in a 10 8 uh 10 8 10 8 uh round you know during that fight and that's why the scores ended up the way they did so very controversial um very good fighter chris billam smith um on that card as well we got to see anthony fowler completely um you know batter his opponent really adam harper who's now nine and two anthony fowler 13 and one uh fowler had a point deducted for a low blow in the second round and uh the tko came for fowler in round seven but it was topped though this this card by two women getting it on terry harper 10 and oh um a split draw over 10 two-minute rounds against Natasha Jonas, who's now 9-1, and one, of course, with a draw. Uh, that one was for the IBO and WBC World Female Super Featherweight titles. Jonas was cut above the right eye in the second round. Brilliant fight. Absolutely brilliant fight. Um, you know, we don't always see these fights you know, in women's boxing, end up being so brilliant. Um, you know, one that jumps to mind, obviously, in recent times, you know, they get a lot of flack and, you know, there was a lot of um, 
shade being thrown on that matchup the other day where we got to see um, Sinisa Estrada annihilate that lady in about seven seconds, the, the undefeated lady. But here, um, completely, you know, the other the other end of the spectrum, if you like, a brilliant, brilliant fight. Like I say, a split draw over 10 two-minute rounds, action pack from the start. Um, Natasha Jonas, I thought, would, would not do as well as she did. I really expected Terry Harper to win um, quite easily. Um, you know, when the fight first got made. But then on fight week, after hearing her trainer, Natasha Jonas's trainer, Joe Gallagher, um, at the press conference, you know, he, he went on a bit of a rant. He, he turned me into a believer. He really turned me into a believer. So I actually um, put some money on Jonas to win uh, by stoppage even, because it was 100 to 1 in, in every round. So I, I put, you know, a small amount on each round, 1 through to 10. But, um, of course, it didn't happen. It ended up being a draw. So um, no no money earned there for me. But anyway, moving out now to the Plaza de Torros de Puerto Banus in Marbella, Andalusia, Spain, of course, over here. You love that. You love that, Eddie. You know you wish you could do yeah. that as good as me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working on it, man. I'm working on it. For those that don't know, Eddie, Eddie really is working on it. He's uh, You bilingual now, Eddie? <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say bilingual, but I'm, I'm, I'm like... Lingual in one quarter. Well, yeah. Put it this way: Fast Eddie is is a fast learner. He's past the 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 Ola and 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 um, Gracias stage, way past that. Oh, yeah. But on this bill, way past. way past. There we go. <laughs> Um, on this bill, Kerman Leharaga now 31-2, and two, a unanimous decision over 10 rounds against our very own Tyrone Nurse. As I said on last week's show, a few years ago, I'd have probably favoured Tyrone Nurse, but um, he's, he's you know racked up a few losses now in quick succession. So he's now 37-7 and seven with two draws. Kerman Leharaga, like I say, beat him on points, didn't stop him. Um, 31 and 2 now Leharaga moving out now to the Microsoft Theatre in Los Angeles, California um, a card that kind of went under the radar if anything, I didn't know much about it until it, it really took place um, the top of the bill, Jamal James picked up a win. He's now 27-1, and a unanimous decision win against Thomas Delorme. That one was for the interim WBA World Welterweight title. Um, so, yeah, that's a good win there for Jamal James. Um, also on the bill, friend of the show, Michael Fox, 22-1 and going in against, relatively unknown, at least from my angle, Lucas Santamaria. He uh, is now 10, oh, sorry, 11-1 and with a draw. He went into the bout with a record of 10-1 and one with a draw. And he had Michael Fox down in the first round. Um, you know, he kind of got, you know, punched down, if you like, in the corner. He, he sort of sat on the ropes a little bit and then just got punched down. Couldn't really do much about it. But it was very much a foam booth kind of fight. You know, they, they were right in each other's faces for the entire fight. And Michael Fox, like I say... Friend of the show, honestly, a guy that in boxing I, you know, I really, really like. He's he's a he's a good friend of mine, Michael Fox. But sad to see him lose. A lot of people saying it was quite controversial. Controversial. I've only seen the highlights, haven't seen the full fight, but a loss for him, a big, big upset there. Michael Fox now twenty-two and two. Um, both losses, I guess, then have been controversial. He's. Um, you know, he's quite an inspirational character. Had 100 amateur fights. He lost 60 and only won 40. Then, obviously, you know, he, he turned pro, um, racked up a bunch of wins, started taking boxing seriously, and last year was able to beat um, and take the O away from um, 
from um, the 2016 Olympic gold medalist. So a brilliant amateur. And he wasn't a good amateur, Michael Fox, but in the pro game, certainly something different. All the best to him. Very, very sad to see him take a loss there. Um, Hopefully we see a rematch. And again, just yesterday at the Production Park Studios in South Kirkby, Yorkshire, United Kingdom, talking of massive upsets, it was a humongous upset. John O'Carroll, 18-1 with a draw, you know, coming off the best win of his career against Scott Quigg where he stopped him. And, you know, his, his one loss came to um, to Tevin Farmer in a world title fight. He gave Tevin Farmer many, many problems in that fight. Um, they've remained good friends. He's gone out there, uh, you know, to to, um, to New Jersey and done a lot of sparring with um, Tevin Farmer. And, you know, they're, they're tick for tack in the gym, if you like, tick for tack. And, um, yeah. He gets in there in, in a bit of a keep-busy fight against Maxi Hughes, who's a good fighter, but a few levels below John O'Carroll. And Maxi Hughes carves out a unanimous decision over 10 rounds. So John O'Carroll, wow, not quite sure where he goes from here, actually. Funny, well, not funny, but a strange situation. Um, you know, like I say, coming off a career-best win, been at world title level, showed a brilliant you know, a brilliant attempt in that fight against Tevin Farmer, and he loses to a guy who really you know, loses domestically. Maxi Hughes is kind of British level at best, I guess you'd say. Anyway, that's it for the review part. Let's see if there's any news. Yes, there is. A couple things to mention here. Let's start with Jose Ramirez. He's, he's defending his um, his WBC and WBO junior welterweight world titles against Victor Postel, former world champion. Um, Victor Postel obviously has those two losses to Josh Taylor and Terence Crawford. Both wins, oh sorry, both losses were, were close losses. You know, he's he's a brilliant fighter, Victor Postel. This fight was set to have took place about three times now. It keeps getting postponed. And um, it's finally on August 29th. That one's going to be live on ESPN+. Plus. I'm thoroughly looking forward to that one. Um, Carl Frampton, he was supposed to be taking on a guy called... Um, a guy called Varam Vardanyan. Um, you know, I, I kind of bashed that a little bit, really, and said that, um, you know, it wasn't a great fight, really, um, you know. For Carl Frampton, he's he ha- he very much had an inflated record, twenty-one and one with a draw. Anyway, due to I think it's visa issues or something like that, um, that that fight has now fallen through. So in steps a late replacement for Carl Frampton in the shape of um, Darren Trainer, who is sixteen and three. Those three losses come to Julie Jiner, who is a Spanish fighter. I I, I remember him. I think he might have boxed uh, Martin J. Ward, if I'm not mistaken. Um, he also got banged out in three rounds by James Tennyson, and he lost in five rounds to Ryan Walsh. So he's familiar with, you know, with these shores, and um, rightly so because he he is Scottish. <laughs> but um, yeah, you know, another on paper mismatch really for Carl Frampton. Uh, that's that piece of news done. Um, moving up to the other piece, we get to see Jack Cullen take on Zach Chelly. That one's on the white Pavekin undercard. It's pretty much replaced the uh, the Sergei Kuzmin and Martin Bacoli um, heavyweight clash, which of course fell through. So in, in, in place of that, Jack Cullen and Zach Chelly. That's a great fight there. Um, really looking forward to that one, of course, at super middleweight. And MTK Global have signed um, two, uh, two weight world champion I'm not sure if he is a two-weight world champion. Um, 
did he, he might have picked up an interim world title or something like that at the weight below, but obviously the reigning IBF super featherweight world champion, Joseph Jojo Diaz, the guy that dethroned Tevin Farmer, he is now with MTK Global, of course, joining the likes of Tyson Fury and Carl Frampton, as we just mentioned, and of course, Billy Joe Saunders, amongst others. And the final piece of news, August 22nd, again on ESPN+, Plus, we get to see the return of former middleweight world champion. Uh, was he middleweight world champion, or was he super middleweight world champion? Can't quite remember off the top of my head. Um, I think it was middleweight. Rob Brandt, he's in there against Vitaly Kopilenko, so that should be interesting. Moving on now to the preview part of the show, though. I'm going to fly through this. This one takes place tomorrow, um, Friday the 14th of August, at the Matchroom Fight Camp, as they're calling it, the Matchroom Square Garden, Eddie's Back Garden. Um, on the undercard, Shannon Courtney, um, 5-0. and She's in an 8-2 minute round contest against 5-1 and Rachel Ball. A lot of people actually tip him Rachel Ball for the upset. Not quite sure if you can make too much money on that, but a lot of people expecting Rachel Ball to pull off the upset there. Also on the bill, a very, very good prospect. Undefeated 8-0, John Doherty. He's in an eight-rounder against Anthony Fox, who's eight and twelve with four draws. Kieran Conway, fourteen and one with a draw, takes on Navid Mansouri, twenty and three with two draws. That one's for the vacant WBA Intercontinental Super Welterweight title. Uh, Zelfa Barrett, twenty-three and one, his first fight, I believe, with Matchroom. He takes on very, very good amateur and undefeated professional Eric Donovan, twelve and zero. That one's for the vacant IBF Intercontinental Super Featherweight title. Uh, could be a real good fight, that by the way. Um, Eric Donovan, bang up for that, of course. Big name for him in his thirteenth outing, and it, it, you know, the, the Bills top by. The undefeated 12-0 Felix Cash defending his Commonwealth middleweight title against Jason Wellborn, former British champion and um, a guy that, of course, went out to the States and, uh, you know, made, <laughs> gave, uh, gave um, uh, what's, what's the guy's name now, um, Jarrett Hurd, he gave him a real tough fight, actually, until he got stopped, of course, and Jarrett Hurd just decided to wake up and put him out of there. But um, that's over 12 rounds there. I like Jason Wellborn, but it's a tough, tough matchup there. Um, on Saturday at the BT Sports Studio in Stratford, London, we get to see Dennis McCann, 6-0. He's back. No opponent just yet. Uh, we also get to see Archie Sharp, friend of the show, 18-0, and defending his WBO European Super Featherweight title against Jeff Afori, who's 10-2 and with a draw. Carl uh, Frampton, 27-2, and takes on Darren Trainer over 10 rounds. Darren Trainer. 16 and 3, like we said. Uh, Michael Conlon, 13 and 0, takes on Sofian Takuch, who is 35 and 4 with a draw. Obviously, Takuch, um, you know, challenged Josh Warrington for the world title. I think it was at the back end of last year. Um, you know, he got banged out real quick, so I'm not expecting to see too much from him against Michael Conlon. And Troy Williamson, 14 and 0 with a draw, takes on Harry Scarf, who's 8 and 1. That one's for the IBF European title. Moving out now stateside two cards to mention before um before we bring you in eddie this one's at the mohegan sun casino in connecticut usa it's going to be on showtime quite a good card actually i like this card here um 
But I take that back. There's two fights I like on the card. Let's start with the main event. He was on our show last week. David Benavidez, 22-0, WBC World Super Middleweight Champion, defends his title against Roma Alexis Angulo, who's 26-1. and um, Angulo, obviously a real big puncher, known for taking the undefeated record away from Anthony Sims Jr. 12 rounds, of course, there. Um, all the best to David Benavidez. I really, really like him. Always have done. And um, I respect not just him, but the Benavidez family. You know, his dad's brilliant. His dad is his trainer. He owns the gym that they train in. He's almost like a PR, if you like. I think he also runs like a website where you can buy merchandise, official Benavidez merchandise. So the dad is... uh, He's he, anyway. He's he's lots of things in one. He, he's lots of things in one. Um, Jose Benavidez Senior. So um, yeah, he yeah. does pretty much everything there. So I, I got a lot of time for him. Good guy on the undercard though. Interesting fight here, Eddie. And I, I know you wouldn't have known that it's taking place, but I'm going to bring it to your attention now. Otto Wallin, twenty and one, of course. The what? one lost. To... I did. Oh, you've seen it. All right, all right. Let, let me let the listeners know. 20-1, and one, the one loss, of course, to Tyson Fury. He takes on Travis Kaufman out of Redding, Pennsylvania. Friend of the show, Travis Kaufman. I hope he gets the job done because he's a good guy. 32-3 and three, over 10 rounds. Interesting, weird kind of fight that I sort of like, to be honest, Eddie. What's your yeah. thoughts on that? Yeah, man. I mean, honestly, man, I haven't seen Travis, obviously, in a while. But, you know, I mean, he's been in more recent than I have, but he hasn't been in a while. And it's kind of crazy that he's coming back in just fighting this guy. You know what I mean? Which is a bit of a surprise because Otto Wallen's not just an average dude just walking the street. He's a, he's a, he's a, he's a pretty decent contender. So, you know, it says, it says a lot about Travis coming back and fighting him, but it's a very, very interesting fight. You know, if Travis can get in there and, you know, show class and box pretty decent, you know what I mean? Well, probably have to box a little more than decent. Then it'll be, obviously more than interesting and you know he'll have a good shot at he may have a good shot at winning but it's not going to be an easy task you know what i mean it's going to be a, it's going to be a pretty tough fight so with that being said it's going to be exciting i'm at least i'm hoping for for it to be exciting yeah all the best to travis kaufman and you're right in what you're saying eddie uh you can't overlook you can't overlook Mr. Wallin. Um, Tyson Fury will tell you that better than anyone. Moving out now to Tulsa, Oklahoma, the final card to mention. Um, very good amateur by the name of Mark Castro is making his debut over four rounds against Raul Corona. Stay away from him. Um, also on the card, Nikita Abibi, um, 8-0. and He's taken on Jarvis Williams, who's 8-2 and with a draw. Uh, Raymond Ford, 5-0 and in a six-rounder against Eric Manriquez, who's 7-10 and with a draw. Shakram uh, Giasov, 9-0 and in a 10-rounder against Wiston Campos, who's 31-7 and with six draws. If I'm not mistaken, I think Campos is a guy that um, books Josh Kelly, I want to say. I'm, I'm not checking that, but I think off the top of my head, over 10 rounds there could be quite interesting. He's quite a tough guy, um, Campos. If it's the right guy I'm thinking of... Um, Josh Kelly kept trying to draw him in you know like Josh Kelly's the type of guy who'll take a step back let you walk in and you know he'll, he'll, he'll throw a shot over the top stuff like that and um, he didn't fall for any of his traps he was happy to take a step back himself you know and they let a few like about six feet between them like he's happy for, for that he's not in a rush um, quite a frustrating type of style he's got really so it'd be interesting to see how GSR deals with him um, 
Also on the card, Israel Madrimov, 5-0, takes on Eric Walker, who's 20-2 over 12 rounds. And the main event, Cecilia Bracus, uh, 36-0, she defends her WBC, WBA, IBF, IBO, and WBO female welterweight world titles against Jessica McCaskill, 8-2. I think Jessica McCaskill going up in weight for this fight. Over 10 two-minute rounds, Cecilia Bracus at the minute, Eddie, holds the record number of defenses with Joe Lewis from 72 Mm. years ago. Uh, 25 mm. successful consecutive defenses. A win here for Cecilia Bracus takes her into kind of her own world, if you like. 26 consecutive defenses. I think she's been a champion since 2009. Um, mm. Quite unbelievable. Obviously, she's no longer with Jonathan Banks now. She's training with Abel Sanchez. She's been up in Big Bear for this for this whole entire pandemic. She's been up there training. She's only just come oh. down from... Uh, from the mountains to Tulsa, um, pretty much on fight week. So she's ready and fired up for this one. But history making, I know that the, you know, again, the women's side of the sport doesn't really get as much attention as it should do. But, um, you know, on this show, we give it a fair crack. Like I say, I really bigged up Harper Jonas last week. A big, big women's fight this week. And of course, next week, we get to see Katie Taylor take on. Um, uh, um, Delphine Pursuin in a rematch that that was a real close fight on the Joshua Ruiz one undercard. But big, big fight here for Cecilia Brackhouse, Eddie. Big fight. Uh, anytime you uh, have an opportunity to make history like this, you know what I mean? It's, uh, it's a big deal. You know what I mean? Don't get me wrong. With these types of things, people sometimes tend to overlook, you know, that they're facing somebody, you know what I mean, in the fight. And think of only been you know just making history and focus so much on that and not paying attention enough to the to the actual task you have at hand. And I think uh, that would be a mistake, especially with history needing to be made here for her. You know what I mean? It's it's, it's really time to buckle down and focus. But the fact that she's been in camp all this time and focusing completely on boxing, well, I mean maybe not, hopefully not all the time. <laughs> but um, you know with. I guess, you know, be in favor. I think I guess you would be in favor of that. And, and if you're a supporter of Brax, you'll be really, really happy that she's been able to keep keeping a, a safe environment on top of that boxing. So she'll be 150,000% ready for this fight because she's not been anywhere else, you know? Yeah, all the best to her. Um, she obviously, uh, you know, saying that she's in the shape of her life for this fight. She is, I think, 38 years of age. I think she's 39 next month. So uh, at some point, she's, you know, she's she's probably going to have to hang it up or think about hanging it up soon. But I, f- I believe if, if she wins this one and Katie Taylor wins next week, I think they're going to do um, Cecilia Brackhouse against Katie Taylor next. That's what I've been told. So interesting factor. Obviously a lot at stake. All the best to Cecilia Brackhouse. Um, I was supposed to actually interview her this week, but for a number of reasons it didn't happen. So... Uh, I was looking forward to that, which is a bit of a shame it didn't happen. Never spoke to her before, but all the best to her. Obviously, wasn't her fault, but um, we move on. Anyway, that's it, though, for all the talking from me. It's now time for all the talking from Eddie. Eddie, last time we had you on, obviously, was last week. We spoke about the Povetkin fight. There was a lot to talk about with that, obviously. It pretty much took up the whole show. Um, obviously, after that loss, you uh, you come back. 
um, in in you know a few smaller fights, building back up. Um, where are we starting? You you take the lead. Okay, well, uh, right after the Pavekin fight, um, I didn't get it scheduled right away. In fact, I mean, it seemed like I wasn't really busy being, you know, it seemed like actually I took some time off, which wasn't really the case because my next fight was in June. But I had gotten used to being in that tournament and being kind of busy having five or so, I think, fights. I don't know if it was that many fights, but it just seemed like I had so many more fights in the year of uh, of 07. Uh, but I guess it kind of mixed in, you know, I guess it's getting up you know, for, you know, one fight after another and each fight meaning something, you know what I'm saying? Where this next fight I had really wasn't as big, but it was still an important part of the career at the time. And, you know, having my first loss was a big issue. It was a big, it was a milestone. I don't want to say a milestone in a good way, but it was um, realizing that, you know, things, if you're not prepared properly and if you don't do certain things the right way that you can actually, you know, end up, in a situation where you, where you have a loss. So, um, trying to pick up the pieces after that, you know, you go back, you know, you go back home, you, you, know, you sit down with everyone and you, you try to discuss what is the best plan of action, which way you want to go. And obviously the first thing is to get some kind of a confidence builder, you know what I mean? Back under your belt. I mean, at the time I wasn't thinking that way. All I'm thinking about is I just want to get back in there and win. And even, even if it's a, you know, the better the opponent, the better the, the win, obviously. But you can't look at it that way. You gotta, you gotta, you know, you let. That's why you let, and you have management or you have people looking out for you because they know. Generally, they'll understand, especially if they understand the sport of boxing. They'll understand, or sports in general, they'll understand that you need something. You need a little, like I said, a confidence booster. I mean, saying you, you first, you lose your first fight as a professional. It's not going to be an easy thing to swallow. So, you know what they, so they, you know, started to look, and you know, of course, what I did was, especially after not being able to train properly for the last fight, first thing we do, obviously, is go back home and train. And that got to be, you know, uh, the thing from now. I mean, well, I've always done it, but now it really, really became important. You know what I mean? We we would take maybe a couple of days off. And in this case, you know, I took like a week or so, you know, away from the gym. Actually, I took a couple of weeks away from the gym, now that I think about it, and just pretty much, you know, played ball and, you know, and, and, and worked out sparingly with my strength and conditioning guys and stuff like that. And we actually happened to be friends as well as my brother, Steve. So we were just basically hanging out, going out a little bit and just enjoying, you know, a, you know, a little bit of the money that we had find, you know, we had got from the fight, but it's still, you know, like I said, it left a sour taste in my mouth and I wasn't really over it. You know what I mean? You don't get over something like that right away. It takes time. So what happened was um, we finally get back into the gym. We start working out, we start training, and I'm told that we're going to, I think this was, you know, like a few weeks after, I think I started coming back. Actually, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say maybe a month or so after I got, got back into the gym, and the fight with Pavek was the 26th of of uh, January. Yeah, the 26th of January, 2008. So I was back in the gym, obviously, a few weeks after. We didn't learn of the fight till maybe a month or so later that we were going to fight in June against a guy by the name of Raphael Butler. I'm almost going to, I'm going to say it was right before my birthday that I found out that I was going to be fighting him in, in Grand Cayman, which is a nice, it's an island and you know, off, the, off of the coast of, if I'm not mistaken, um, my, uh, uh, Florida, you know what I mean? So I'm, I'm thinking, I was thinking at the time, well, I got to fly again, <laughs> which, which hey, Joey knows how much I hate flying. But at this point it was just like, Hey, it is what it is. 
But we go down and then I'm realizing it's a little small island, you know, off of it. And it's, you know, it's a nice place. It's, you know, it's what, I think they said 60 or 70 miles total, uh, the whole island. So we're Did getting just, down there and I found out. Let me out, just interrupt. You said there that you hate, you hate, <laughs> you hate flying. I just want to let the listeners know about really a particular <laughs> time where you, um, you know, you hate flying so much. You were going to, was it when you were going to fly to the... Was it the UK when you you drunk the night nurse or day nurse no, or whatever? No, that was actually going to. That was when I was about to fight uh, uh, the guy. What were you? Uh, crap, Dominic Jenkins. Okay. And I, no, yeah, and the, the funniest thing, and then you already, I already told the story, so they remember. But I took all of that, all of that Nyquil. I got to Vegas. We got to Vegas because we had to take a go to straight to Vegas and then for Vegas to Reno. Didn't sleep one ounce on the flight. You drunk like all, not even a second. I think you, you said drunk you drunk, yeah, like the whole half thing. Bottle. Yeah, or, or half. Almost, um, you, almost. You overdosed on it, basically. Almost, <laughs> basically. But I tell you what's funny is that no sleep on on the way there. So the whole reason for me taking it didn't do a thing until I got there. I slept for twelve hours straight, <laughs> straight off the plane. Went and I think we worked out a tad. Ran around a little something, got to the hotel, laid Crashed down, out. didn't wake up again. Yeah, woke up at tw- after t- woke up after twelve hours, went back to sleep again for another eight hours. So it did its job, but just not when I wanted it to. <laughs> <laughs> but, but anyway, so obviously I stayed away from the Nyquil from then on. But, but we're, so we're on our we're on our way. Oh, we get that. Well, we get down to Grand Cayman, beautiful island. You know, it's a different type, type of thing. And I've been to, uh, I think, before that, I, I went to St. Lucia before. I think I mentioned that. I'm not sure. I don't know if I did. I can't remember for sure. But anyway, but I, I wasn't, I still, you don't you don't think of things like seeing chickens just running across the street like a like a cat. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, you have cat running, like stray animals. It was chickens and, and uh, other kind of, it was just, it was so weird seeing things like that. And but then. That's how I felt when I came to, to, to you know, to near your house. Like when I come to your house, right. there's yeah. turkeys running around. Turkey. But for, honestly, I'm from Pittsburgh. I've never seen those things. Like I seen a deer one time when I was in Pittsburgh. I was like, yo. And the funny thing is about Pittsburgh is it's a real country area. So there's a, anywhere outside of the inner city, it's like a lot of rural like grass and trees and all that kind of stuff. So when you, when you look around, you expect to see animals, but I'm being from the inner city of the city, uh, of, of, uh, the city of Pittsburgh and not the outskirts of, you know, like I'm in the city part of Pittsburgh. So I'm not used to seeing that even the deer, but when I got up to Jersey, like, yeah, I started seeing chicken. I mean, not chickens, but turkeys and stuff like that. Wild turkeys. I didn't even know that that existed in, in this, in the, in the areas that I'm living in. You know what I mean? So it was a bit of a, bit of a stretch but when i'm down there i once again see people walking barefoot on the street and it's like what the hell is going on and and it's like you just know you're not you're not you're not used to seeing that <laughs> then i know when you, invi- when, they, when you see people walking barefoot on the street you must have thought man i'm gonna find a girl up here <laughs> <laughs> honestly maybe <laughs> but no but you know <laughs> But you know, because you know, guess what? She ain't got no nothing behind her. The only thing she got is poor, and that means she is completely away from the American 
attitude. So she is completely different. As long as she don't get around, it's like the Eddie Murphy thing on Eddie Murphy Raw. As long as she stay away from them American girls, we good. She'll always be what I want. But nah, anyway, we gonna get on, we gonna get off of that. <laughs> but anyway, we um anyway like they well I'm 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 still kind of going like hey, there's a chicken run across the street but whatever. Then they offer for us because when we first got there, you know they're hearing oh you know I'm there and you know I just fought had fought Pavek and so I'm there's some small percentage of celebrity there that I you know I haven't obviously got to the Klitschko level yet, but um there's people that oh I heard of you and you know because you know. If you're a boxing fan and you know boxing and you've 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 heard about anything in the states and what the heavyweight division was doing, if you paid attention at all to that, you would know about me. So some of these people do, like I said, there were there were some boxing fans there and boxers themselves. Were you in the PlayStation game by this point? Was I? I don't know. I'm, I'm asking. Uh, you. Uh, no, I no, I was not. Okay. No, because that was that was after the San Peter fighters when I got that. That was when it was when that happened. Yeah. Okay. But anyway, so but we get there and there's people that know of us, obviously. Partially while the fight's there, because there's obviously some boxing fans and boxing, you know, public there. And plus there's people that's flying in for it too. But anyway, um what happened? Oh, the they had a gym there. Now, it's one of the smallest and hottest gyms I've ever seen. And me and my brother was like, I don't know how. They train in this gym. And and to be honest, the way I'm thinking of it now is no bigger than a bathroom in a closet together. Like, I swear to God, it's, it's, it's the small. And I'm not talking about a rich person's bathroom. It could be like the whole floor of a, of, a, of, a, of, a, of a building. But no, this is a bathroom, like a 10 by 10, almost like a cell, it seemed like, with a couple other rooms in it. You know what I mean? And I was like, damn, if they train in this, they're going to be tough because there is... There's, I don't even know. If, I don't even know if there was a bathroom in. Yeah, there was a bathroom. I think there was a bathroom. I think, but it was so small and it was like five thousand degrees in there. It felt like you were sitting in a sauna on top of a sauna on top of a steam room. It was that crazy. And I'm sitting there because it's already hot. Because like I said, it's down there, you know, outside of Miami, so it's it's already hot. And I think this was in the summertime. It was in, it was in June. So I'm like, damn, they they train here. And I'm sitting there like me and my brother looking at each other like, man, I don't know how we would do this. But I guess if you grow up in anything, you can deal with it. But, man, we seen that. Then a couple other things uh, happened. And I remember, uh, <laughs> I don't know why I'm about to bring this up. I know Steve wouldn't want me to bring this up. But we were getting, we we went somewhere for breakfast. And I think we were getting ready for the uh, pref- press conference later because we were going to have the press conference where I was going to, you know, see the guy on fighting. And we were going to do a little, you know, the talking and all of that stuff, maybe the face off. And our brother's walking in front of me, and I think we're coming from the coming from breakfast, maybe going to a gift shop or something. And I look at the back of his head, and I notice something. And I don't know if we I brought this up before. We cut our hair a lot because at that time we didn't have a barber that we could trust. So we were just like where we really really got to working on our own, you know, barbering techniques and stuff. And we got pretty good at it to the point where we were able to do it. But I noticed that he didn't have a mirror, in <laughs> the you know like a small mirror to like you know reflect so he could see how to cut his back and he had his hairline so crooked it was like it was like one side was down his neck and the other side was up almost above his ear and i was like yo steve what the hell happened to the back of your head 
<laughs> I'm sorry, but it was so funny. I I just I had to uh, I had to, I had to bring that up. But um, so I ended up going and fixing it with <laughs> fixing it for him. But it was it was it was it was horrendous that the job he did. I just had to say that. I hope he does hear this. But anyway, but it was but it was bad. But anyway, so we go and we fix that. We fix that. Then we end up. Um, I think we went to a press conference or I don't remember if this was a press conference or a weigh in. That I um, know. I think it was the press. Yeah, it was we did the presser. And I and, and I remember I meet Andre Ward. I think this was the first time. If, no, you know what? This might not have been the first time. I might have met him a couple of times. Cause we were both, both under the same umbrella, basically. They call it stable, you know, uh, fighters, because we were both with Dan Goosen at the time. And uh, I think I met him before, and I he always used to say, oh, man, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, Eddie Chambers. I really like his style. He's just so comfortable in the ring. He said, man, I wish I could be that comfortable. And he said he's one of my favorite guys to watch for that reason, the skill level. And, and they always took it as a real, real compliment, seeing a guy who hasn't, lost a fight and I don't know if he can even remember how to lose but to have somebody really really respect your ability and what you've done in your career up to that point even and to have him say something like that that was pretty uh pretty surreal pretty nice you know obviously he's a young kid a young guy at the time he hasn't even I think he was what 23 at the time 24 and this was one of his I think he was fighting I'm not mistaken is Jerson Ravello I don't know if you heard of him Joey, but I think he was fighting him and he was the main event. And um, it was like a comeback fight because I think he had hurt his knee or something like that at one point. He had, this was his first comeback fight, and I think I was on the undercard of his, or he was on, I can't really remember the whole card, but I'm pretty sure that it was, uh, it was his car. And uh, even at that age, him being so young, I just remember how well-spoken he was, how confident he spoke through. You know what I mean? I'm just thinking like, damn, was that the you know, him being in front of the cameras a lot as an amateur or just in general being around, you know, you know, high levels of guys in boxing and, and, you know, I don't know, was it education? What did he have that made him that confident? And at that point, I mean, I had already started to feel my own, you know, feel myself a little bit and being able to speak a little bit better and being comfortable with cameras and things like that in my face. But it was still like seeing him and it just made me say, man, I got to really get myself together. And be able to talk to talk to people, you know, relay the information, and that's really where I started to think about, you know, the uh, commentary and all that stuff too. Was, you know, was really seeing him and how he's such a young kid and he's able to do it. But obviously, I seen him again, and you know, we had talked, and he was a really, really, really cool, cool guy, and I was just happy to be out there and be on the card in a situation like that. But anyway, on to the uh, the next few days. Pretty comfortable, pretty nice. Uh, like nice island. It was really hot. Um, I was a little bit, uh, I don't know, like uh, worried, like a little bit worried about the fight, but not too much because I just came off of a big fight with Pavek and, and I'm thinking, well, this is supposed to be like a stay busy thing. But then I start looking and seeing this guy had a, you know, a 30, was a 31 and four record. And I'm thinking, ah, you know, he lost four. You know, most of those other fights were probably against limited opposition. So I'm like, ah, I should be able to have him. But then you look at how many knockouts he had. Then I had heard some crazy stuff about maybe at one point him being in camp with, um, I think it was Vitaly Klitschko, and I heard that he might have dropped him in camp or something. I'm like, wait a minute. Here it comes again. Now here comes the nerves. Now I got to worry. I got to, this guy might be a big puncher. He might be this. He might be that. So, you know, I started to get a little more of the nerves and things started to get into, in, into my head. But you got to start now to act 
with class and not that I've ever not acted with class, but I just, I didn't want to seem too out of, too much out of my element. And I wanted to seem confident and comfortable. So then we go into the press conference. I mean, not the press conference, the, uh, the uh, weigh in. And I think he had an issue for whatever reason. I mean, I was hearing about this is that his, he had an issue with keeping his weight right and being in shape. You know, going into fights, and he's about six foot three, six four, and his normal weight, his a good weight for him would be around two hundred forty nine, two hundred fifty pounds. He gets on the scale, two hundred forty nine or two hundred fifty pounds, right on. So he's in shape. He's obviously been training for this opportunity to knock me off and and get a good name on his resume to you know obviously move forward in his career. So he's coming in shape. And one thing that I always realize, and most times that I'm fighting guys for whatever reason, they always come in the best shape possible for me. They never come half-stepping. Everybody always seems to come ready to fight me and ready to take this, take me and, and give me my L. You know what I'm saying? So for whatever, and for whatever reason, he was no exception. He came ready to fight. And if, but there's one funny thing that happened, and uh, we doing the face-off. And I can never be serious with these face-offs ever. You know what I mean? Because it's like, to me, it's just, it's, you know, it's, I guess it's for the fans. It's for the, you know, like people look, oh, they looking at each other. They, and then, you know, every once in a while you see the guys get riled up and they start talking crap back and forth to each other. But I never really got into that because at the end of the day, we're going to get in there and fight. And there's really nothing else that can be done. We can get in and push each other and all that, but it ain't going to really do anything. We're still fighting, you know what I mean, tomorrow. So let's just wait till then. So most of the time, I like to lighten the mood. So the first thing I did is we're in and we're staring down. Now, he's a little bit taller than me. Well, a lot taller than me. But um, so he's looking at me, looking down at me a little bit. I'm looking up at him and I make this like real sorry face. And I say, man, I'm, man, I'm so scared. And he busts out laughing and walks away. He's like, I can't even, I can't even do the damn I can't even do the goddamn face off with this guy because I ain't taking anything serious because I'm not going to try to be like, this is the day before the fight. I'm enjoying the fact that I ain't got to break my, bust my ass training. You know what I mean? I'm just, I'm just trying to enjoy, even though I'm starting to feel the nerves a little bit, I'm still trying to enjoy while we're out here. We're in Grand Cayman. So I just want everybody to be happy and just enjoy the fight. And I'm not trying to be all uptight about the whole situation. I'm just trying to go through it. You know what I mean? So <laughs> He sees that and busts out laughing. But we end up getting it all. He ends up, um, you know, he seemed like a, a good guy, a cool kid at the time. You know what I mean? But um, but uh, at the end of the day, we got to fight the next day. So I got to I gotta do what I got to do. Anyway, so we go, go back to the hotel. Gets, uh, I'm thinking I felt, I felt decent for this fight, but not really that good. You know what I mean? I remember, I remember like in the dressing room, and this was an outside fight, and I really, really don't 100% like outside fights. There's just too many, too many other factors that get involved. It's like playing basketball outside, outdoors. You play basketball outdoors, there's the wind factor, there's heat, there's all kind of other issues you got to deal with that can affect your shot and everything and all things like that in, in the way you feel as well. And the same thing with boxing. There's just too many factors. Just if it's hot, if it's, if it's cold, you know, all these, all these different little things. If it's hot at one, at one point and all of a sudden drops off and gets completely cold, then you're freezing and you got to find a way to warm up under these conditions. I like, I really just don't like that aspect. I like it to be at a temperature indoors. And of course, most people want everything comfortable, especially when they're in a high pressure situation, but things didn't work out that way. It was hot. And, and I think it actually was, it was really hot even going into the night where it finally cooled a bit. But I just remember feeling, once again, like I did in, in Florida, 
when my hands and I could just feel the burning in your legs. And it's just like, man, it's just hot out here. You know, you start to, it starts to take away from you. So you try to stay as hydrated as possible, but you still got to get out here in front of fans and fight. So feeling the nerves a bit, but um, at the end of the day, you got to get in there and do what you got to do and what you're paid to do. So I go in and what I remember about him is he wasn't a bad boxer at all. Like a lot of these guys, and I think he had a decent amateur, if I'm not mistaken, but I, but I, he was not a bad boxer at all. And that wasn't slow, had a had decent speed, and he did have a good, hard right hand. And for some reason, you know, I don't know why, but I felt the need to take a few shots this way. And I remember taking like maybe two or three good, hard right hands. Now, I took them, and it didn't bother me, but I did realize that I can't keep letting this guy land these big shots at me like this, even if I can take them. You know what I mean? And why would you want to take punches freely? And I think, I can't remember, Joey, I, I really can't 100% remember what round it was. I'm I'm, I'm kind of leaning towards fourth. Six. When I, when I actually, it was a six? Oh, man. Butler, right? There you go. See, I mean, yeah, yeah Butler, yeah. Six. It was a sixth round. Okay, sixth round. Well, I, stopped, I don't know why I thought fourth. But I remember I'm winning pretty much, you know, the fight. I'm winning the rounds and all, but he kept landing good shots. I remember landing those right hands, and I remember my going back to my corner, Rob telling me, like, man, better stop letting that dude land them right hands on your head like that. And he's just throwing them big right hands. And, and I remember, and the thing is, I don't take punishment. You know you know that now, and then even back then, I really didn't take punishment. So, I mean, I let him land those shots. I don't know what the hell I was thinking about, but it kind of got me into the fight and got me a little more, you know, uh, focused. But, I mean, I still was winning the rounds, and then I remember I get into the, I think, well, obviously the sixth round. And I can't remember, but I, I can't remember for sure, but I started seeing he had a, a, also an issue with not just him being overweight and stuff like that, but it, an, an, exist, an issue with exhaustion, like where his body just like shuts down and starts to give away after a few rounds. I do not know why, but he started to get, it looked like he started to get a little tired. You know what I mean? Like his body was uh, starting to betray him. A little bit, and I remember landing, if I'm not mistaken, like a counter right hand, and then I think I landed a, I, I, I think I buzzed him a little bit, like you see him, like literally his legs completely wobble. If you was able, if I, if I had the video of it, he looked like he was about to just completely pass out. He looked like he was drunk from, you know, he had one too many drinks, and um, he, he wobbled really good, and then I remember hitting him, I think, with a hook right hand, knocked him out the ring, and he was, he was almost like. He was almost gone, but he ended up getting up, which shows that he was actually in shape. And like I said, that was an issue for him in the past, but he actually got up, but he was he was done. There was nothing he could have done. I mean, the, the refs waved it off immediately, but he was he was he was definitely done. But he did get up. I give him the credit for that. But I don't know how he did because it looked like he was out. But anyway, the fight's over. Great, great night. You know what I mean? I, a, a night that was a little too good and joey i think i told you that i don't want to mention this you know what i shouldn't even have brought it up i ain't gonna mention it because this is not a good thing to bring up in a situation like this uh when you're talking about boxing and how you're supposed to be you know not doing certain things and we're just gonna leave it we're just gonna keep this boxing right now you know what i'm saying Joe? so so anyway moving on from there got the got the win had a great night after that Night was a little too good at times, but we're just gonna leave it at that. Um, <laughs> then we get back to this to 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 Philly, and um, wanted to stay busy. The idea was to stay busy, and um, 
So what we did was we said, okay, we're going to get a fight with, and at the time I think I was, I think I was down in weight, a little further down in weight than I had been even like, even with the uh, Raphael Butler fight, I was, I think 214 or 213 for that. Um, in this fight, particular fight, I think I might've been a little lighter. I might've been like 208, 209. And I fought a guy at the Blue Horizon, a small town fight by the name of uh, Levin Castillo. He had actually been, I think, a former cruiserweight title challenge cha- uh, champion, uh, I think cruiserweight title challenger, or might have been a world champion. I'm not 100% sure. I can't remember. But I got in there. I think we went seven rounds. Is that right, Joey? Seven rounds before I stopped him or six rounds? Uh, five. Oh, five. Damn. Look, I'm way off. Five rounds. And I remember one thing I do remember about him, going to this really quickly, is that he was like, he was a cruiserweight. So the weight class was a little different. Now, I'm obviously expected to beat a guy like that. He was a cruiserweight, but he had, you know, probably like 205 or something like that for the fight, I think, or maybe even lighter. Yeah, he, uh, and, uh, if I just jump in, he, um, no, he didn't fight for a title. He didn't, he didn't win mm-hmm. a title or anything like that, but he did at one stage lose to, um, Jean-Marc Mormec at light heavyweight. That was yeah, that was what it was. That's what something. Some he had some claim to fame of some big fighter or something. Like that. I I couldn't really remember. And he also boxed um, Oleg Maskaev. Oh, that might have been another thing that. Yeah, that's probably. I, what I'm not sure. Yeah, so it was definitely those those type situations I remember. And he boxed yeah. um, Povetkin as well. Did he? Yeah, he oh, boxed Povetkin. I think, I think I knew that. I think I definitely knew that. And then he boxed. That we, uh, the last fight he had before boxing you, he boxed Bruce Seldon. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that funny? How did he do in that fight, by the way? What round did he get stopped in the fifth round? Stopped? Same round. Ain't that crazy? I think I, I think I knew about this, too, which is weird. But I remember it wasn't so... You know, you get those guys in there that are just trying to make your life miserable. Well, that was the, somewhat what he was trying to do. It wasn't, and the funniest, I swear on it, on my soul, Joey, I got the DVD of me and his fight in my house right now. I know exactly where it is, which is crazy that I'm even mentioning this fight, but I actually have the fight. 2008, me and Living Castillo with the blue. But anyway, and I remember, to, I remember, I think, I think I might have broke his jaw or did something to where he because i hit him with a counter right hand which i was landing a lot because he's a southpaw and i kept landing those counter right hands on him and you know they all didn't land that's what made it was like a weird situation it was kind of he wasn't an easy person to mark you know what i mean like to find with a lot of these shots he should be and i felt like he should have been there for for everyone i still made it look interesting you know good and i you know winning every round but it still was very 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 weird trying to you know attack this guy and, and box this guy but I remember catching him with that counter right hand, and as soon as I did, he went down to, like, a knee, I think, and he bounced right up and just basically said, no, I'm done, and, like, waved it off immediately. Like, he waved it off himself. He didn't need no towel from the corner or nothing. He just waved it off, like, waved his hand like, I'm done, and told the ref he quit. And I, and I think they said, told me uh, something about his jaw, like something, his, his jaw was broken or something like that. And, you know, I'm not a huge puncher, I guess, but... To a small a guy my size for for the first time, might I add, in a long time, hit him with a count with a with a straight right hand and, and popped it easily. So I mean maybe maybe if I fought a cruiserweight, maybe I would have more knockouts. But <laughs> that was the case in that fight, which 
kind of showed a little something to me. And that was my first Southpaw in a long time. And, uh, you know, it was a good, it was a good step in the right direction and also to stay busy. Then we go fast forward. We're going to go and I'm going to fight now. And I'm going to, this is going to be the last one I'm going to talk about. And this is really not much to talk about here, but I just wanted to kind of go over it a little bit because, um, there's something to happen. And in this particular fight and, and that, had any, nothing to do with the fighter or myself or anybody like that, but it was more the commentators and the people who don't throw a punch, but no disrespect to them. They got a job to do and they got to say what's on their mind. But a, what a lot of these things that were said were said off TV. So it was said amongst each other, so amongst themselves. So it, they basically, this is how they really felt, which is a little bit annoying to me, hmm. but at the end of the day, you know, people I had think kind of what you're but talking any, about. Oh yeah, I, I think you do too. But I'm I'm going to fight a, Are we a guy by the name about of a guy who has uh, a J at the front of his name. Yeah, but not no. This that this was not that situation yet. This was okay. another situation that it was very similar to. Right. You're, you're, you are, but it was very similar. But um, anyway, I remember, you know, going to the fight, and I know CC already. We already, and I was fighting CC Salif, who's like. He's an African guy. He's about 6'5", 270 pounds of nothing but muscle. This dude is one of the most intimidating dudes you'll ever see. Didn't have an ounce of fat on him, but he was, 100, he was 274 pounds, if I'm not mistaken. And what it's like when you look at him, it's just like, if you didn't know boxing, you would think he would kill everyone. <laughs> Simple, you know straight. If you didn't know boxing, you would you would have saw me stand next to him and be like, "Yo, you about to die tonight." It's just gonna be that. But the reality of it is, you know, boxing has different elements to it, and bodies don't win fights. But he was a very intimidating looking dude. But I knew him, and I knew what he was capable of, and you know, actually, he was he was a, he was a nice guy, very nice guy, very respectful. He had some you know big fights in his day, you know, and so well quote-unquote big fights for him for him at the stage he was and um yeah, and it was a tough fight of um he boxed he, um ray austin he boxed um oh boy he boxed um oh what's his name david tour as well yeah that's what you said yeah <laughs> david tour yeah he boxed, one I, day. yeah yeah he got a, he had a few fights and, and i boxed, remember um remember um solis Oh yeah, old inner Lee's, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, by the way, I, I've seen a pair of his um, his uh, fight worn boxing shorts for sale for like forty five pound the other day. And why didn't you get them, Joe? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? Do you know what the story was behind them? They're just like a plain pair of Adidas shorts, and they're um, apparently he had like you know these custom shorts ready for a fight, and then one of his team forgot the shorts and at the last minute they had to just get some random shorts that were like spare. They were just Adidas plain shorts. But it's a shame, you know, he was a guy who um, he comes to mind, you know, he just didn't fulfill his, his potential at all. Right, right. Like and he, And they say he had potential to be one of the great ones too, which sucks, man. You know, part of that Cuban... Excuse me, that Cuban, that Cuban um, lineage, man, it's just unbelievable. If you know when you see somebody who gets to a certain level and then just it doesn't happen, it sucks. But that's 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 life, that's sports, you know. But um, all right, what was I saying again? <laughs> I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. This is the I'm boxing. 
No, that's all right. What was we uh we were talking about um oh Cece Salif and his who he was fighting. But anyway, um so he had we we knew he was uh a a tough guy, but not the best of skills and quality as far as um you know who he was at that stage in his career. But we knew he was gonna be there, and if I can get him out of there, it would be great. But let's just get the win, and that was the idea. And I remember riding up to get our medicals done together and we're in the same car and i know my and my manager and my and my people they, they hated it because they know guys like him who are you know you know uh what do you, what do you want to call them journeyman guys who just know that hey their main goal is to finish the fight so they can get another one as soon as possible and you know maybe get in front of somebody who they can beat and just not end the fight by, you know, get, getting that 30 or, I mean, that 60 day vacation because you got stopped. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So a lot of these guys are just basically trying to stay on their feet and finish the fight, you know, in, in, in some good shape and not have to you know, not be suspended. So, you know, his thing is to butter me. They're thinking, and you know, how my people think cause they know how nice of a guy I am and, and I'm, that I may, if he butters me up, I may take it easy on him in the fight and not try to kill him. You know what I mean? But the idea of it is like when I get in the ring, it's not about me trying to hurt a guy or, or not liking the guy personally. It's a business thing, and it's a sport. So most of the time, I'm not even angry. I know it sounds ridiculous, but I'm not even angry when I'm in the ring. It's just about getting the job done. You know what I'm saying? It's about doing the right things. It's about being the better skilled guy. You know what I mean? It's about it's, – it's, it's just like any other sport. It's like playing football. Like you said, Joey, just, you know, you, you want to make the right move. You want to make the right play. You, in boxing, you want to throw the right punch. You want to, you know what I mean? In basketball, you want to make the right pass, or, you know, for the person to get the right shot. It's just, it's just about, I don't want to say X's and O's, but it's about, it's about the sport. It's about getting the right thing done. So I'm not thinking about anger or whether he called my mom a name or talk about my dad or any of that crap. I don't, I can care less about that stuff. It doesn't move me. The only thing that moves me is what he's going to try to do on fight night. That's it. And what I can do to counteract that. So when I get into the ring, him buttering me up had no effect, but you know, my guys, they're just thinking, man, I don't know. You're too nice. And no, it has no effect. You know what I mean? I could have told them, told them this a thousand times. They would never believe it. Because they just feel like, oh, I'm such a nice guy. Because in the gym, guys will try to do that stuff. And I'm not really trying to kill nobody in the gym because it's spa- it's sparring. It's not a, a fight. So I'm just like, yo, whatever. You know what I mean? Go ahead and try to get some shots off. I'm going to make you miss. And if I make you pay, so what? Uh, you know, I just know I can do this so I can, you know, prepare for things later. This sparring is helping me for the fight. And I don't want it to hurt me or, or, or take anything away from what I'm going to be able to do in the fight. You understand what I'm saying? So at the end of the day, boxing is boxing and I never let it get out of perspective. You know what I mean? I never let my mind or my frustration or anger take over and take me out of my game. So that's why I'm not worried about, I could have been in the same room as this guy and we could have been all night up talking and laughing and joking about girls or something. And when we get in the ring the next day, I'm still going to go after you just like I would have. If we didn't, <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Because it's a business. And um, so that's exactly what I did. But I remember we, uh, I don't think we had a cut guy at the time. I think my man Vinny couldn't make it to the uh, fight. And he was my cut man for years. Him and then was at Gary's is another person who was a uh, cut person for us. And uh, she was a, she's a plastic surgeon. So she was great. Vinny was always one of the top, one of the best guys ever. I've never had to worry about cuts when I had him in my corner as well. So, but he couldn't make it. So we had to get another guy and 
a guy by the name of uh, Don. I think I can't remember his last name. I'm going to say Nelson, but I don't. I don't want to be wrong. But it, we called him. His name was uh, Cutman Don. At least that was on his shirt. And I remember he was uh, when I was in the process of fighting. We were already in there, and I'm fighting. And he was saying to my corner, and I learned this after the fight. He's like, "Damn, man, this guy didn't make one mistake." You know what I mean? Because you know Joey. You know how I am as, as far as defensively and things like that. Like I don't take unnecessary chances with getting caught with shots. Now, granted, I know sometimes people will say that that's how you become great or that's how you be, and that's true. And there's certain times you do take take chances, but you got to start to to look at things through like a process of elimination. Like what is the best way to go about this without and and and, lim, and eliminating the worst possible results of you trying whatever you're going to try you understand what i'm saying so it's like if i go in there and i throw a jab i know that it's minimal the amount of things that he can do especially if i throw it in a certain position you know what i mean so i'm not going to go out there and throw a big wild left hook or a big wild right hand and put myself in position to give him his only opportunity to catch me and knock me out and end up getting a great name on his resume right so i'm going to go out there and do what i need to do to get the win not maybe not the most exciting thing, but it's going to keep me from being one of those statistics guys who go in there and get knocked off by somebody who shouldn't knock them off. You understand what I'm saying? And that's for that reason that I only have one knock, one knockout loss on my record, but we're going to get to that later. <laughs> anyway, um, I'm fighting and I'm, I, I remember being in there with him and going back and forth. And I remember catching him with some really good shots. And I really, and I really, and I did hurt a couple of times and I remember my corner kind of pushing me like jump on him, jump on him. And I'm like, but that's what he wants. He's literally laying on the ropes looking for me to jump on him so he can wind up a wild shot to catch me. And the reason I didn't do that at that time also was because I remember him hitting me a couple of times in the back of the head and it didn't hurt me like wobble me or anything, but I remember like, Oh, <laughs> if he does that again, I don't know what's going to happen. You know what I mean? I don't know how I'm going to feel. And he did it twice. And I'm like, damn, is somebody going to say something? And I even looked at it. And the thing is, I know him. And this is how I know that it's a sport to me. And, well, obviously, I know this because I'm me. But it's a sport to me more than anything. And I look at him. I'm like, yo, why you hit me in the back of the head like that? I'm literally having a conversation with this dude in the ring while I'm trying to knock his head off and he's trying to knock mine off. But I never looked, took my mind off, of, you know, my eye off the prize. And like, yo, if I hurt this dude, I'm getting him out of there if I can't. You know, but anyway, I'm like, yo, he hit me in the back of the head twice. Like, what's the deal? And the ref didn't say nothing. I look at him. I'm like, and he he literally, and I, I, I will not forget this, apologized. Like, oh, sorry about that. In, in the middle of the fight. Now, this all goes on in, you know, less than three seconds. But, you know, that's just the, it literally seemed as long as I'm talking about it in the ring at the time. And that's just uh, how sports and, and boxing is uh, in, in general. Things go, obviously, a lot faster. You know, when you're when you're looking from the outside than when you're actually in there. But anyway, so that happens. And I remember then realizing, like, I'm not going to give him an opportunity to win this fight just by lying on the ropes and swinging a, a wild, ugly ass shot and knock me off. You know what I'm saying? Like, no. So I, I stayed really, really smart, boxed as as good as I could have boxed with, uh, with you know, with current situation and, and, and also with trying to, you know, impact impact the fighter you know the, the the fighter enough to hurt him and do the things that i need to do to if i could possibly get a stoppage which never came that night but so it ended up being an eight round decision i think i won i won every round but 
the reason I really wanted to bring this particular fight up was not necessarily the fight itself and what happened. I mean, obviously, some of the things that uh, that went on in the ring was were you know were good for me to see, and 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 it was a you know it was a good experience in general, just getting there with a guy who did have experience and big, tough, strong guy who I'm going to be facing big, tough, strong guys for my entire career. So it wouldn't hurt me getting there with a guy like him with experience too. So, but it was also because I remember, and I didn't hear this. I heard this through someone. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking it was Lenny. My, it was my personal assistant for uh, a lot of years and a good friend of mine as well. I think it was him that told me, but there were two commentators and I can't name them because I can't even remember who they were at the time. And they're probably guys that I see all the time, you know, on TV now maybe, but I'm not, I'm not 100% sure. But I remember him saying something to the, to the effect of, uh, oh, who's on right now? You know what I mean? Because it was the, uh, I think I was, I forget what undercard I was on. I can't really remember. And they said, oh, uh, Eddie Chambers is uh, fighting somebody. I don't even know if they told me, oh, Eddie Chambers, <laughs> we're not missing anything. And it just went on about their whole thing. And I'm sitting there like, damn, man, these dudes. And it's like, that's really, really disrespectful. And I want to comment on this. It's not because they can't have their opinion. I can be a crappy fighter or a terrible fighter. But we all know that I'm not. We all know that the skill level is high. Now, if you watch a skill level basketball, a high skill level basketball player or, or soccer player, football player, right? Or, or American football player or, or any of these other sports, you, you shake his hand and you praise him. But how come in boxing when those things happen, we don't? Unless there's something super extraordinary about their story, they don't really publicize it and, and make it and make it a big thing. They just shoot it down, especially with a person like me. I'm not a uh, – I don't have a crazy backstory like – well, I, I do have a crazy backstory, but it's not – the normal crazy backstory. Yeah, it's poor. I was poor and all that crap. But the idea was I never went to jail. I never, I don't have a criminal record. I don't have any craziness. I was always a good kid. I always went to school. I finished high school. I did everything I was supposed to do up to the point of me turning professional. But there was some crazy stuff that went on, most of it through boxing, but it wasn't bad enough for anybody to focus on. So I guess because of that part, you overlook the skill level and what I've actually done and, and, and the amount of things and amount of work that I've put in, I put my entire life into this sport over the span of, of, of almost 20 years. And you got these two guys who have never even laced a glove on their hand, you know what I mean, one time, except for to keep their hands warm. And they have disrespectful and, 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 and they, just don't res- they just don't respect the grind of where I've come from. And it's, it's, it's ridiculous. It's like, okay, so if I said, if I read one of their, their articles or if I listened to them uh, uh, speaking in a public forum about something that they're supposed to be schooled on and I, I listen, I say, man, they, don't really, they didn't really say this right or, or I critique every little word they said, whether they pronounced it correctly and, and say, oh, these guys are terrible. Well, I don't even want to listen to it and turn my back on it. Would that be respectful? You know what I mean? Would you even give them the, would it be fair to them with all of the time that they put into school and doing all of the things that they do. Some of these guys haven't even done all that, by the, by the way. But just to disrespect their grind and the amount of work they put in, I think is a little ridiculous. And I'm going to and I'm gonna end that part on that because I don't want to get into it because I'm going to get even more mad about it when I think about 
all of the work that I've put in in my entire life and and, and, and my entire career and most of my life, which I've spent in boxing, is I'm saying most of my life from when I was 13 on up till now. You know what I'm saying? And it's just like a really it's a really, really bad thing to say to discount an entire body of work over something you've seen maybe twice against high level competition, even though I don't think CC was necessarily the highest level, but he's still a professional at one of the top levels in boxing and has fought guys to prove that. So it's just a little disrespectful. And I would really encourage people who commentate. And if you watch the actual fighters that commentate, they rarely, rarely knock guys off their, 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 off the pedestal. Like they rarely say, Oh, he's terrible. or Oh, he could, he needs to be this. Or he really, no, they're, they're more uplifting. And, and I wonder why that is. You know, it's because they understand the word, the, the the grind. They understand how difficult it is to get into a position to be the best or one of the best there is. So you should respect where they've come from. And that's my only issue with a lot of these guys who haven't put gloves on. They need to really respect what the art, what the what this what this sport is, because it's pugilism. It's 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 something that people don't just sign up for. You know what I'm saying? Like easily. I mean, even though we do, <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's like you couldn't get more, you couldn't get too many people to do this more than once. And trust me, there's been a ton of people that's come into gyms and left out that day and never came back. So just, res- I just feel like these guys should respect the grind a lot. Oh, that's fair enough, Eddie. And, um, mm-hmm. you're right in what you say. I agree with you. Um, you know, obviously, you know, the fan inside you, though, at times can, you know, can make you say stuff. For example, there's obviously times, you know, that I've reviewed a fight or whatever, and I've felt that they were, I mean, I don't really, to be honest, there's a lot of really, really negative people. I don't really do that, to be completely honest. I know. I listen to a lot of other people, and they really go in hard, you know, but yeah, I I respect everyone that gets in the ring, and I don't really... um, bash people or kick them when they're down to be honest with you so I, I, I you know i can understand why they do it but yeah I'm, I'm with you it's just not think about it think about it Joe. I, every time i hear you say you know best of uh best of luck to him hopefully he gets back things like that you say or or oh man he you know he didn't do what he could have done in this fight but he's done this he's done that even on guys who aren't even world level or even domestic level good you know you give them respect and they just I just think it's an important thing to understand that this is a sport that is a very difficult sport to make it in. Anybody can turn pro, but not anybody can make money or be popular or be uh, a top level talent in the sport. It's not easy. This is a hell of a sport. It's 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 the business sometimes overshadows the the amount of work these guys put in. When you look at a guy like Tyson Fury, man, it ain't by accident that he's there. You know what I mean? And they, you know, look at even with Deontay Wilder and a lot of these other guys. Don't get me wrong; some of these guys had roads somewhat paved for them, but they still had to make. They still had to walk down. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? So it's not so. It's everything is not just given to you. You know what I mean? It's it's it, and it's not easy out here. No, you're right. And that that fight you were talking about, that final fight against um, Cisse Salif, that was the undercard of James Tony and Fraser Quendo. Oh yeah, that was. Yeah. Yes, also, also on that right. bill, um, Andre Ward against yep. Esteban yep. Kamal and uh, Malik, yep. Malik Scott against Raphael Butler as yep. well. Raphael Butler, and that's what 
that's the fight that I didn't mention that I that I remember watching. But I, Malik didn't stop him, and I remember we had a, me and me Malik <laughs> and Butler afterwards talk. We're talking like literally, we're sitting there talking for like 20, 20 or thirty minutes. I think uh, did it start raining? I can't remember. But anyway, uh, we were we were out because we were in like under like a tent. Um, well, the fights fighters were under a tent anyway. But yeah, it was a, it was a crazy night. Okay, well there you go. We've spoke about the fights that took place after the Povetkin fight. Obviously, we've mentioned their fights against Rafael Butler, Livin Castillo, and Cisse Salif. Next time, Eddie, what should the listeners expect to, to hear about? Oh, man, it's going to be a nightmare. No. <laughs> a Nigerian one? <laughs> yeah, like me and one. Yeah, somewhat like that. But it was uh, a nightmare that actually turned out to be just uh, a small bad dream or a big bad dream <laughs> but anyway no it was uh i was fighting sam peter this one uh and uh in the next one and don't get me wrong there was a lot to learn and believe me i learned it even though it didn't really seem that way during the during the course of the fight yeah so next time we shall speak about sam peter who at the time of course was yes, sir. was a former WPC, as he says, Eddie. WPC, what's he say? <laughs> <laughs> I got WPC with me. That's what yeah. he says. So, uh, yeah. former WBC heavyweight world champion. And um, if we get enough time, we we will also speak about the uh, the Alexander Dimitrenko fight that followed that. So big ones to come. Yeah. And of course, after that, we get onto the big one, the Vladimir Klitschko fight. So don't miss the next time we speak about Eddie's lockdown knockdown segment uh which will be i'm guessing probably next week or um we'll see how it goes we'll we'll play it by ear obviously next week a big week of boxing eddie Hearn back with a pay-per-view event white pervekin so uh yeah obviously listeners of the of the podcast weekly listeners uh you won't miss it but definitely definitely don't miss it for those that don't listen every week. So it's going to get quite interesting. But that's it. Um, and just before we bring in our sole guest on this week's podcast, Eddie, if you just want to sign out with a message to the listeners or whatever you want to do, um, thanks again for uh, spending this time with me and taking me down memory lane. No, not a problem, man. It's, a, it's an enjoyable thing, man. I'm enjoying it just as much as you guys are, and you know, because you know I like to talk. <laughs> but um, it's, uh, it's, it's nice to you know, relive these things. And some of these things honestly seem just like yesterday. And I'm talking about it now and realizing that it's almost been probably 10 years plus ago that these things have happened. And it's just like, man, where does time go? But uh, I guess time flies when you're having fun, right? That's what they say, my friend. And this hour and a bit has flown. But listen, let's now bring in our sole guest on this week's podcast, the former unified world champion, Mr. Daniel Roman. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former unified super bantamweight world champion. It is, of course, Mr. Daniel Roman. Daniel, welcome back on the show, my man. Thank you, Joy. I'm, I'm happy to be back. <laughs> Always great when speaking to you, Danny, believe me. So we last spoke back in uh, back in late November. It was a couple months before uh, you know your fight. I think at the time it had just been agreed at the time against Murajon. Um, Akhmadaliev, of course, the fight took place on January 30th in Miami. Uh, there were a few upsets that night on that card, to be honest. You were involved in one of them. Just walk us through that fight from your perspective. What what seemed to go wrong back in January? It was a tough opponent. It was a tough guy. Um, 
I believe I started a, a little bit late. Uh, and once I started picking it up, uh, I figured the guy out and uh, try to break him down little by little. Just uh, but the decision uh, didn't go my way. I believe it was a close fight, but I believe uh, I won that fight. Yeah, it was a really good fight as well, by the way. Um, but, you know, I know that after the fight, it didn't take long for you to be back in the gym training hard. And that's when the pandemic arrived, of course, on a huge scale. Um, what's it been like for you training during these tough times, Danny? Uh, yeah, yeah. Like, well, after the fight passed, you know, I, I got the two, three weeks off to recover. Uh, once that happened, we, we got straight back to the gym. And uh, around that time, that's when uh, the pandemic started. Uh, at first, it was hard because they closed the gym I was training at. And, like, uh, my manager was moving around and trying to get me a gym so I could stay active. And, like, uh, we, we found a private, private gym. And ever since, uh, we've been training, uh, trying to keep ourselves in shape. And, and that's what we're trying to get uh, prevent this uh, virus spread and try to keep ourselves uh, sanitized. And what have you kind of gotten up to in your time outside of the gym? Because like I say, a lot of people have been stuck at home, haven't been able to get to the gym as much as they'd like to do. Have you been up to anything interesting in your time out from the gym? Uh, no, Joey. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, so far, well, everything here is, uh, we're in lockdown, uh, everything's closed. Uh, they're opening a few few other stores, but like you could say the restaurants, all of them, they got just take out food. Like uh, overall, I just I, I've been busy with boxing. In a way, it's good because it keeps me focused, more focused. And like, uh, but like seeing friends, uh, it's kind of hard, you know, because it's basically just just a handful of us training. And I want to ask you this as well because I feel like a lot of people don't really know the the you know the the Daniel Roman outside of the ring. Do you have any kind of random interesting hobbies? Do you do anything like, do you, do you play any instruments, for example? Is there anything interesting that you get up to aside from boxing? <laughs> you know, I like I like reading a lot. I like reading a lot. I try playing uh, guitar. <laughs> uh, I wasn't good on that. <laughs> I got to admit, um, I wasn't good on that. Uh, I tried it. I mean, I go back, I might go back at it, especially now. Oh. With this time, but like uh, we got a fight date, got a fight date in uh, September 26th. Yeah. So now I'm um, back busy, trying to get myself back in shape and trying to get ready for this upcoming fight. Yeah, absolutely, and we'll, we'll speak about that in just a second. But yeah, I just think you know you're yeah. you're obviously a, a real world level fighter in, in inside the ring, and you know I remember seeing um, your, your your trainer Eddie post a. A um a picture of you on fight week for your last fight, and you know you're you're, you're defending two world titles against this brilliant amateur. And I remember he he put a picture up saying, you know, I think it was the day before or something. You you were eating a meal or something like that, and there's no entourage <laughs> or anything. It's just literally you with a boring bowl of salad in front of you. You know, just completely <laughs> dedicated to the game. You know, it's uh. It's, yeah, I yeah. admire that. I admire that. But yeah, getting on to the fight, you mentioned it there. It's going to take place September 26th in Connecticut on the Charlo yes. undercard. You'll be boxing former bantamweight world champion Emmanuel Rodriguez. What do you know about your opponent here, Danny? He, he just, uh, I think his last fight, he, he lost it to Inao Inui, the Japanese uh, fighter. I mean, uh, this guy, he, I mean, he was the next uh, world champion, you know? So. 
he's not no easy opponent, especially now at this level. I mean, it wasn't before, especially because anything can happen in boxing. A punch can change everything. So now, like, uh, I know I'm going against a tough opponent, and but like, uh, you know, we'll make the right adjustments and uh, we'll get ready for this guy. And have you been able to get sufficient enough sparring in during this, you know, during this crazy time? Like I said, have you had the right kind of sparring to prepare you for this fight? Mm, you know, we're we're working on that. Uh, it's it's kind of difficult, see, well, difficult with uh, this uh, pandemic going on. But like, uh, I I believe uh, my manager and my trainers are, are doing the best they can to get me the right. Uh, the right sparring to get ready. Okay, and you mentioned again, um, you know, he, his only loss has come to Naoya Inoue. He was in the World Boxing Super Series. He's beaten a range of good fighters. In my eyes, he is yes. one of the best fighters in the world at bantamweight. However, um, he's moving up to meet you at 122 here. Am I right in saying that? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so yeah, I'm excited to see that one. He's he's coming up in weight for, for you. Of course, it is your weight class. Um, that whole card, by the way, is a real good card. I know it's going to be on pay-per-view, obviously, but you know, you've know you got both Charlos in huge fights. You've got two young world champions defending their belts as well. Two great guys, Brandon Figueroa and uh, Mario Barrios, friends of the show. Um, I'm really looking forward to the card as, as a whole. And, of course, your fight. Um yeah, so we're yes. kind of flowing through the questions, really. Danny, have you got anything else going on at all that you want to, I don't know, inform the listeners of? Anything else going on in your life? Mm, well, <laughs> with this fight day, uh, you know, I got my myself back in, uh, you know, focused on boxing and, and trying to prevent this uh, this virus, you know, and trying to get it or express, uh, spread it around. So uh, I've been busy with this and, like, uh, to all my fans, you know, Coming back September 26th and uh, be ready. You know, I always try to give the best of me, the best fight, try to win the night. I know there's going to be big names on that card. Charlos, the, uh, Mario Barrios, and uh, Figueroa. So, you know, I'm going to try to take the night, make it my night. Try to steal the show. And I want to ask, Danny, is the yeah. best yet to come? Yes, yeah. You know, uh, this loss, it was a setback. You know, it's a learning lesson. Uh you're only going to make me stronger, like I said, after the, the interview, after the fight. It's only going to make me stronger than that, and I believe on that. I'm going to come back stronger than what I was before. Yeah, and I hope that that can happen. Like I say, you had a couple setbacks early on in your career, and they spurred you on. I hope that that loss there in your last fight, which, by the way, was, was a very, very, very close fight, I hope that we, we do see... Um, uh, you know, a better and, uh, and, and and you know, a, a better and smarter version of yourself. I know that obviously with the way the year has gone so far, it's almost impossible um, to, to kind of map out your future at this stage. But from a boxing point of view, what are your short-term goals at this point? Obviously, they start with a win on September 26th against Rodriguez. But ideally, what is the plan after that for you, Dan? You know, oh, well, after this... Uh... Uh, I believe it's a title eliminator. So after this happens, you know, hopefully uh, we can get a title shot. I don't know it might ha- it won't happen uh, this year with all this stuff going around. But like if it can happen uh, next year, it'll be great. You know, and uh, especially if I could get that rematch with MJ. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's what I, that's what's in my mind. Uh, you know, uh, we still got unfinished business. Yeah, absolutely. With uh, MJ, so. Absolutely. Hopefully that and like, uh, and hopefully all this gets fixed soon. 
that's like the the main one. Because uh, it's not just holding me; it's holding uh, a lot of fighters back as well. Yeah, for sure. And um, yeah, if you've got any closing words at all, Danny, just to our listeners, just to just to clarify, you, you're not on Twitter, are you? It's just Instagram, right? Yes, it is. Uh, but I was thinking of making an account, so. I might be joining some. Yeah, yeah, we want to see you on there, man. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but listen, Danny, it's always yes, uh, gone, uh, gone. I mean, you uh, can can I get my Instagram? Yeah, of course, give they, it. They give can it, keep give up it. on me on 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 Instagram. Instagram is a underscore babyface assassin underscore, and like I'll keep everybody updated on that. Uh, if I'll try to make this a Twitter account, I'll keep everybody updated as there as well too. Yeah. So once again, that is um, underscore. Um, baby face assassin underscore yes. yes so follow Danny there yes, sir. Um, I'm following you on that Danny I don't think you followed me back but it's okay it's all good <laughs> <laughs> okay listen Danny listen it's always a pleasure speaking with you my man you know that yourself best of luck for September 26th yes. thanks for your time and I look forward to speaking you, with Joey. you again next time thank you Joy have a good one Okay, and this wraps up episode 252 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Eddie Chambers has been with me for the duration of the show. A big thank you to him. A massive thank you to our sole guest on this week's podcast, the former unified super bantamweight world champion, Daniel Roman. One piece of news that has broken whilst we've been recording the show is that Mark Castro, who I joked about earlier on when I said he was fighting Raul Corona, He's actually tested positive for coronavirus, so he will no longer feature on this card that's going to be taking place on Saturday night in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So, um, yeah, I feel for Mark Castro, obviously a very good amateur, um, you know, a real hotly anticipated debut, but we're going to have to wait for that to come around. All the best to him. But that's about everything from me. I'd like to thank you, the listeners, for listening to this week's podcast once again. You make this show what it is, 19 world champions in the last 19 podcasts we've brought you now it's not been easy but it's been worth it enjoy your weekends people stay safe and we shall see you all again next week